Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Jokes with Mark Simmons, the podcast where I chat to another comedian about jokes they can't get to work. As always, I'm joined by... It's cool, producer Joe. Hey, Mark. Hey, Joe. How's it going, mate? This, I'm good. Are How you, are you? I'm good. I'm like normally. It's it sort of takes a few text exchanges to sort of organise the time because you're such a busy man. First, I said, "Could you do this morning?" You went, yeah. Yeah. I went eleven. You went, yeah. Yeah. And well, I'm just at home. Here. I'm, uh, it's one of the like today's one of those days where I'm just at home like doing a bit of editing and stuff, so I can you know I can just jump off that and talk to my old pal Mark anytime. Oh, that's nice. And you invited me to your birthday party the other day. I did. Yeah. I, You're not coming. I couldn't come. No, but no. That's just the life of I a sort, comedian. I sort of knew that as well. So you <laughs> you edged your bets before you'd uh, yeah. you asked. Yeah. If, if I, I turned to my it, girlfriend, I said, "He won't say yes. Don't worry. There's no way he's going to say yes." Don't worry. Like it was her that had the yeah. big issue. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing when you're a comedian. Like yeah. you, you haven't got any friends. Haven't got any friends because you can't go and do anything. I guess you just everything uh, happens on weekends. You, you must have to just sort of be friends with lots of other comedians, right? That's why loads of comedians go out with each other, isn't it? You date each other. I say, yeah, I guess so. Be. I guess so because that is the only people you tend to see because everything happens at weekends, Joel. And yeah, if or it's just in the evenings. I mean, if you fa- wanted to have your birthday in Brighton, I could come. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not a bad idea. It's a nice place. It's a lovely. Place. I could pop off, do a gig, come back. Great. Say happy birthday. We could all say, Mark, how was the gig? Yeah. yeah. And that would be conversations, you know, for guaranteed yeah. conversation, just in case you're worried that, you know, it might all dry up with between your friends. I don't know how if they get on mm. or right with each other, do they? Yeah, this will be a test. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's, shall we do that then? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll change all my plans for you. Okay. Lovely. Ah. Oh, is it a big party? Um, I reckon it's going to be about a 30 person party. Because you're. 30 30 yeah is it a, is it are the family coming or is it just a friends thing there's some family there to make up the numbers for sure were there okay yeah where's it being held um it's a pub near me in their room upstairs and oh lovely there's on there's ongoing negotiations about some karaoke <laughs> why is it being negotiated well you have to hire a machine you know there's oh, all right. sorts of stuff it sounds like someone wanted it and someone didn't Oh no! Everyone, well, everyone, everyone wants, wants it. Really? Do you like karaoke? I, it's fun, isn't it? What's your, Do you not like what's it? What's your go-to karaoke song? Um, I've never done. I've never in my life done. You've karaoke. never done karaoke? Of course not. I, I can't sing. Why would I do karaoke? Yeah, but the worst people in the world are the people that can <laughs> sing at karaoke. Oh, I, I hate those guys. Don't you hate those guys? Have you ever oh, really been? Yeah. To- yeah, when they get right. up and it's all like they're like in a wedding band or whatever, and they just smash angels by Robbie Williams. That's not fun. No. We're here to watch people like me. <laughs> Desperately but bad. I'm trying no, to sing. But I bet you're not desperate. Out of bad. hell by meatloaf. I am really bad. <laughs> no, I bet you're passable. Like I just have nothing. Like there's no. <laughs> I, I tone. Is it toned? Yeah, I'm toned down. Have you ever had to sing on stage as like part of a panel show or? Once I I, I went. So, what happened? What's it, the most outside of your comfort zone? It was someone's birthday, mm. and like to sort of the the idea was sort of I think. It was during an Edinburgh show. It was too embarrassed to maybe and and 
someone I knew anyway, and it was to mm. sing happy birthday. And then I, as, as I was saying it, I re- realized I'm the only one with a microphone. So I'm the only one everyone's really going to hear. <laughs> and I can't sing for to save my life. Oh, that was horrible. I am, um, in my very short-lived comedy career, I once really, really, really embarrassed When a you were a professional stand-up comedian. Exactly, yeah. I really, really embarrassed a friend of mine who um, had recently gone to join the RAF. Right. Um, and he'd been medically discharged after two weeks because of his colour blindness. Oh. Um, and he, you know, it was a big thing. We'd done a great big send-off for him. <laughs> anyway, so he was at a gig two weeks... It was like the gig that I ran two weeks later. And it was a really big busy room probably about 60 people there and i did a big thing about how he just returned from active duty and got everyone in the room to stand up and applaud him and then did the big reveal that he'd been in the RAF for a fortnight <laughs> but, that, but, but was he quite upset about that joke? yeah 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 he was yeah it's quite a cruel thing to do is he coming to the party i can't imagine you're still friends <laughs> yeah he's coming he's a paramedic now so oh is he he's actually quite useful to have on nights out yeah Gen- yeah mm. Yeah, just useful to have around all the time. Yeah, I'd love nice, it if you lived with me. Yeah. Mm. Oh well, that's good. I can't imagine a drunk paramedic's great, is it? But yeah, because better than they, just they a drunk think normal they know, guy. They want to show everyone that they know what they're doing, but their coordination's yeah, off, and I don't know. Did mm. you know paramedics? Oh, I might be lying now. I was just having this conversation with someone the other day that because when I dislocated my toe, mm. when I was fighting they couldn't not in a in a um controlled environment actually it's yeah, quite yeah, topical yeah. taekwondo is really um yeah really doing well this it's year been great uh, have you, you watched it i have been watching it yeah yeah it's exciting isn't it it's really exciting um so i dislocated my toe and then the para i was going to say the paramedic wasn't allowed to put it back in that you had to wait till you go back to hospital but it, i think it might have even been one sort of your sort of pretend i don't know what you call them what, what's it's a john's ambulance are they real ones I don't. I don't think that St John's ambulance can pop a bone back in. They're just sort of no. like to give you some paracetamol, aren't they? Can paramedics pop a bone back in? Yeah. Can they? Yeah, they can do fucking CPR. Of course, they can pop a <laughs> a bone back in. All right, fair enough. They can do it. They can. They they just do what needs to be yeah. done, right? I know there's something that you had to go to hospital. They're yeah. not. Yeah. Not. The remit doesn't stop at your little toe. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I haven't been trained for that. I've got. I've not been trained for this. They get called out to emergencies, but they won't fucking look at her foot. She just passes out in the corner. Yeah. She looks at it. <laughs> the uh, bloke crashes the air ambulance. <laughs> oh, Joe. Joe, um, everything else okay this week? Yeah, great. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, really Lovely. good. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood today. You look like you're in a good mood. I'm in, yeah. I'm in a good mood too. I've had some nice gigs this weekend. It's been really fun. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, do you want to hear some feedback from online stuff? Would love to. Um, from Oh, I wonder what that was. It's from Doug Heimrich. Um, just listen to the first 361 jokes, five at a time, Patreon pod. If someone... If someone walking by me saw me laughing like an idiot for 10 seconds, it's because of Mark's Robin Hood reminisces. Ooh. Can you remember what that was? I can't remember. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Why, why, were we talking, why were we talking about Robin Hood? I don't know. What could that possibly have been? <laughs> no idea. No. You know what you can do, Joel? You can go to patreon.com forward slash jokes with Mark and find out. Let us know. Yeah. Tweet us at jokes with Mark across all social media. You got loads of. There's a, there's a, we're putting up the. I think it might even be the 16th episode of 361 wow. jokes five at a time. Yeah, great stuff. Um, so, uh, oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think I was going to say something, Joe, and I can't remember. But we've got such a good podcast this week. Do you, I mean, I, I mean, I know who it is, but I, I'll ask you, like I always ask you, Joe. Who have we got on this week, Joel? We've got one of my favourite comedians in the world. Am I on it? Oh, it's no. I am um, on it. Yeah, that's true. Yay. We've got another one of my favourite comedians in the world. Mr. Carl Donnelly. It's Carl. It is Mr. Carl Donnelly. And Mr. Carl Donnelly had only just got back from Australia, where he's been for months and months and months doing comedy. So we chat a bit about that. We chat about jokes we have a great old chinwag great to have him back on the podcast a return and now a friend of the podcast is mr carl donnelly 
weirdly, this is probably a good starting point uh, about jokes yeah. and things. Um, a lot of my stuff I've realised over the years has been about how Im- I may get into embarrassing situations mm-hmm. and then talking about it from that perspective of I'm really embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely think since having a kid, oh. my my sense of shame has gone out the window. <laughs> like, I'll walk down the street covered in <laughs> shit. Like, I don't care. And I, 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 I'm what I just part of me is a bit oh, wow, not concerned. But like I did a I did a Melbourne Comedy Festival mm. show. I was one of the few people that managed, you know, that was lucky enough to do it who wasn't from Australia. Yeah. And I did notice that it was a lot more observational than stories. Oh wow! So is that um, so? He- but then my, I suppose nothing's really happened. No, there's no stories from the last I year. Guess... We're all just stuck in our houses. So it might, it might have been that more than the fact that I just don't I care don't anymore. Know. And you're someone that. I, I, that wouldn't you wouldn't want to pretend that no. you were embarrassed if you weren't no i wouldn't it, I, it has to be real shame so how think. did you find like, reaction wise to the different so to story stuff and then to observational stuff did you get a similar sort of response or were you like oh i like this or was it not as no i said you know because i've always done observations as well in the stories yeah. i always sneak obs into stories but this time i let a lot of them stand on their own right yeah you know, on it, like just an old. Uh, I did quite a bit about the pandemic. So I was going to say that because I saw your um, your Garda clip. Uh, yeah, and that was nearly all pandemic stuff, and it was quite short. That was probably three, I'd say minutes, like that was the best Gala set I've done. I've done mm. a, few, a few of them, and it was the most punchy. They were they felt like actual yeah, jokes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, more than ever. I've never it's topical. I've, I've, I guess anytime. It was topical, yeah. But any time I've done one of them galas, I've done three in Australia, one in New Zealand. Mm. And basically for anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's basically you do this big theatre show pre-festival that goes out on television and you have to do like between three and four minutes, which is such an unnatural length yeah, of time yeah. for somebody who does long sort of form That's stuff. That's actually my favourite amount of time, three minutes. <laughs> oh, it's per- you, I mean, it's when it's where the joke writers they really get, come into their get own, bored man. Of me. Five minutes, you no. could get a little bit bored of the same thing. But, <laughs> but three minutes. But it, I did Daryl Martin. Martin did this online show throughout the pandemic. And he basically did, I sent him some videos of like two or three jokes and he would just play them every so often through the show. And, and then on Saturday, you dying? <coughs> I, <went down> the- <laughs> <laughs> I love that when you talk. As well. you can- <laughs> oh, I felt it. Oh no! <coughs> God, sorry. <coughs> Start that again. You were doing the Daryl Martin online show. Yeah, yeah, and he wanted to sort of re, kind of recreate it in a live environment. So I did it on Saturday, and I just every so often I went on and did three minutes, and then went off again, and then went on and did another three minutes, and it was yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. It was perfect. I, re- I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's yeah. It's so much easier. Like that's what. I, Trying so to that's do... what the Edinburgh show should be. Just three minutes. <laughs> you're in, you're out. They get yeah, the gist. Yeah. It's perfect though. I mean, like, I, I genuinely have always struggled with those short sets. Mm. Like since the early door, you know, when you're a five minute open spot, it still feels like a relatively long time. But you were you were a bit you know. different then anyway, weren't you? Back when you were doing that stuff. Were you not you were sort of I did I, I found it easier stepping up, like yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't find going from five minutes to 10 minutes hard mm. or 10 minutes to 20 minutes and longer and stuff and getting to my first hour wasn't particularly tricky i've always felt like it i found it easier to go yeah, long yeah. but yeah so them short sets are like killers mm. i mean like the first yeah the, the last couple of times i've done them i've been pouring over it for days trying to work out a way of doing a set that's four minutes yeah. long this was the first time ever i was like <laughs> i just i'd written enough like short jokey observations club, mate. i was like i'll just pick that one that one that one and that yeah. one and that one and that's about four minutes i was like this is yeah, perfect yeah. and it was really good because it's all on topic as well i was gonna say yeah. you had a, a line about um piles um was that line did you have that line before and then worked it into this happening during covid oh, no, so, no no so that was all, based on it's, you're so yeah, truthful that, with everything you do aren't you you really I try and be, yeah. Like, I mean, I try and be in the sense of everything. I try not to make something sound current if it ain't mm. current. Do you know what I mean? Like, so everything's true. I, everything I say is based on a thing that's happened to me, uh, unless it's an observation and it's just something you've seen. But I, 
Yeah, I don't like doing that thing of like, you know, I recently had a, I recently went through a breakup and I'm talking about my divorce from 2013. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I, I, even if I'm talking about something, I always really, I always say when it was just to give them uh, some, Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I feel too guilty. So I'll say something happened 10 years ago or something. Yeah. Do you think that makes a difference in how it's received? Absolutely no. not. not none. No. <laughs> it's all it's all my own. Uh, it's me judging myself more than worrying yeah, about that. Yeah, they them. don't care, do they? So they couldn't give a shit. They don't believe. I, they think everything's a lie anyway. That's, that's the thing that's with the audiences. Tri- that's where you, I guess, have more trouble because you have to totally. convince them. And if anything, if anything yeah. actually happens to you that is a bit mad, like really mad, that must be so hard to actually get them to believe <laughs> that you haven't just made it up. I have. I've got a story that I've tried on stage about three times. I'm pretty sure I didn't mention it last time I was on this, but I've tried to tell it, and it just it does not work because I, it just it just sounds like nonsense. And it's but and, and as well, it's a drug story, right. so I always feel gross saying it. But it's about it's about taking acid at the Edinburgh Fringe once. So why do you feel gross saying it? Up. Because. Um... Drug just stories because it's just, done a lot, or because it's just the topic of it's about you taking I drugs, think, so it's quite because it's so. I think it's so easy for a drug story to sound like you're going like, yeah, I'm, you know, I take drugs <laughs> when I don't. I haven't taken drugs in years now. My dad, for Christ's yeah, yeah. sake, but like you know, just just saying it feels like it's quite an exclusive thing to talk about because you. I mean, even though we've got a big drug culture in this country, there are generations of people that never yeah, t- yeah, touched yeah. anything stronger than maybe. You know, they might have had a pill back in the nineties. People or like something, my mum's or... generation, they always say, "Oh, that person, they, I think, I think they do drugs." Like, like yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah. it's so general. Of they do yeah, drugs. It's, they've got no idea no, about no. drugs, and especially, and so when you start talking about hallucinogens or mm. something, like it's got to be in a big context. Like I did an Edinburgh show where I talked about me going off and drinking ayahuasca tea, which is like a hallucinogenic experience. Right. And that was like that show took a shed load of work to make like, palatable for people because ninety nine percent of the audience at, at every single show will have no idea. Not even they won't have done mm-hmm. it, but most of them would have never even heard of that drug. Yeah, well, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> exactly. So, like, you know, you're starting from a point of I'm going to tell you an hour long story about something you've got no interest <laughs> in <laughs> to strap in everyone. <laughs> so, do you think? But- but this, sorry, the story oh, yeah. I the story just quickly was about me and some mates taking acid at the Edinburgh Fringe and then going back to my apartment, a flat, and a neighbour must have heard some commotion and came to bang on my door and give me give me an absolute shellacking. <laughs> and he he was dressed as a pirate, but not ironically. Like, I'd been warned about him. I'd been told there was a guy who had a disability, lived downstairs, don't annoy him. He's got a real chip on his shoulder. So and it wasn't a manager. He basically had, he basically, well, he basically had like <laughs> one sort of peg leg. What, a real right? peg leg? And he, and he had a stick, yeah, and he had like a stick. But I had, no one had warned me, but the guy I lived next door to was this crazy Scott who I'd got on with early doors in the festival. So he just said to he just goes, heads up, if you end up having any sort of people back, don't, the guy downstairs is a nutcase, mate. Was, he's just like he's got such anger oh, issues, right. and he's he's got a disability. And I just had I didn't take it on board. <laughs> and then yeah, the, this guy came to look at the door. I was up to my eyeballs on acid, and I said to my two mates, "Just be quiet. Just stay in here. I'll go and do the talking. I'm going to pull myself together to have this conversation." <laughs> and I opened the front door, and there was a pirate <laughs> in front of me. And I just started laughing. So literally, I'm on acid, and now I'm talking to a pirate. <laughs> And then he just he was shouting at me and shouting at me and I'm laughing. And then he went, do you think this is funny? And I was like, fucking mate, I'm on acid and you're a pirate. So yeah. And um, we had a, just a bit of a ding dong and he left. And then like, but I was tr- I've tried to tell that story in a way and there's more to mm. it, but in a way that sound like to, to try and explain to people they were genuinely, because when I say pirate, he was dressed all in black. And when I said that he had like a sort of flowery, floral, like one of them flowing black mm. shirts. He had a black bandana on tight and he had like a long black beard and he had a, uh, a, a cane with like a silver top and he had one leg. So it was a pirate in front was of him. Was he trying to be a pirate? I think that was his look. Yeah. That was his get up. So, so yeah. did you, was it, because I mean, I, I've, I, as even the words of my mum, 
I've never done drugs. Um, <laughs> but when that's happening on acid, do you think that's not real? But I, I didn't know. I Part of me thought it wasn't. Because mm. that's what I was thinking I was while you were telling it. I was trying to tell, ask myself yeah. whether you thought it was real and it wasn't or... I think, but on acid, you think you're in that position where you think everything's real, but it probably isn't as well. Yeah. So you have to deal with everything as it happens, <laughs> as if it's real, because you think, well, this is, it could be real. Yeah. But then you'll, after, afterwards, you'll work out if it's real or not. And like, it was, you know, I just remember going back into the front room and my two mates, and they're all quiet, hide, they were hiding on the sofa as well. I don't know what they thought was going to happen. Uh, and I just had to like, explain to them, I mean, there was a, there was a fucking pirate at the door. <laughs> And we all just rolled around laughing for a while. But, like, it's one of those stories that would need a lot of work to be a good stand-up story. Yeah. But just people, I just don't think people believe that because... the guy was a pirate, <laughs> which is understandable. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a bit like dreams, isn't it? It's a bit like doing jokes about a dream you had where it could just be so easily made up. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Because I had a really weird thing in a dream that was really funny. But I have tried it on stage and it just sounds like you're making it up. And I don't know if yeah. I... Okay, I could tell, I'll, tell, I'll tell you briefly what it was. It's really, really weird. <laughs> so, hang on, I just got to get it right. So in the dream, I was like a, a, a seagull, I think. Right? <laughs> yeah. And there was this fox. And then the, so I was worried about getting eaten. And then I had the idea <laughs> to put a fox mask on to yeah. deceive it and I did that plan. and then the fox bummed me <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't work out the plan that de- de- very much backfired and, and then I woke up with a hard one <laughs> oh man <laughs> that's when you know that's bad when you bring something back to the real world from the dream world <laughs> but, but, but I, I would like to think that I would have anyway because that's just what happens that is, yeah. But then, you had a good but then chance I start, of having you start to question yourself, is that, is that what I'm into? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> but I tried to relay that and it's never, it never worked on stage. I felt it, it got, it's just a bit too weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, would, I would actually say that's quite a good analogy that I've, in why I'm always dubious about drug stories, even though, because annoyingly I've got loads of them because I went through a druggy phase in my youth. Yeah. And then I also in my early 30s after a bloody divorce went through this weird hippie mm. hallucinogenic journey for a couple of years so i've got two periods of my life where i've got loads of stories mm. and i've ended up i've told i've ended up telling i've probably told five drug story on stage in my entire career but i've got loads but it's because i'm so and did those five work dubious, but i think they're like dreams mm. i think actually most people don't want to hear them i think yeah. You know, no matter how interesting you think it is, nine times out of ten they're not. So I'm so most of mine I just leave on the cutting room floor because yeah. I'm like, a I feel weird saying it, and b I don't think people want to listen. So, so is this the first show you wrote specifically for Australia? Because I mean, realistically, you probably are you gonna, would you be able to do any of the stuff from that show again, or would is that just gone now? There'd be bits, yeah. Because what it, what it was, I would say, forty minutes of the show was obs and things from the last year about the pandemic and about you know things that were happening and things i've done during lockdowns and stuff uh and there was a 20 minute story at the end of the show because obviously i mentioned that we had a baby during lockdown Mm. and then sort of the last 20 minutes of the show was me talking about how we did ivf to create the baby and that was something that i'd worked up a little bit um last summer when gigs opened so i i managed to go out and get that story you know it was nowhere it wasn't a 20 minute story then it Mm. was you know by the by the end of the summer it was probably a 10 minute story that i was happy to do in a in a club 20 it was that i got it punchy enough that i was like right this is a proper funny story Mm. but as a for an hour show i managed to sort of get it to about 20 minutes and really get into some more details right. and that i think that will probably stay mm. and become that's, part of a actual proper show because you, you can frame that within covid because that's when you had the baby but yeah. would it work but it's also an interesting topic i think ivf yeah, i've never so, heard so, anyone talk so about so would IVF. you then be able to take the covid out of the story and still yeah because right, yeah. we did ivf the end of the year before mm. 
and the baby was born mid last year. So yeah, you know, I don't think was, I've ever heard anyone a, do anything IVF related. Weirdly, I mentioned Sarah Barron. She saw me do a very early version. Like the first time I ever talked about it on stage was like a five minute bit. Mm. And afterwards, she said to me, I was the first person she'd ever seen because she, she's talking about it on stage now herself. Oh, right. Uh, but because she, she was like, it's great. I, I think she was like, I'm really surprised no one's ever talked mm. about it. Oh, that. Because it is, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's quite oh, common. Yeah. But I do think there's an element of shame to it. Do you think still? Well, you're changing that, mate, by talking about it. You're doing your bit. And also, I don't have any shame anymore. No, we've discovered. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but no, but I've, I don't, I think I don't have shame about it or don't have any issue with talking about it because I genuinely, even when we were doing it, I didn't think we would, it didn't feel like a stressful thing. It felt like mm. we, it all just, it was like quite a natural progression. We just, we got offered a round on the NHS because we were, we'd been trying, you basically, if, you, if you're trying for over a year, right. we weren't trying like, you know, we didn't have a app that was like, right, you're ovulating now, go and do it. <laughs> we just left things to chance and like, let's, well, let's just see if it happens. Yeah. Nothing happened. And then we went to get, fertility tests just to check there was no problems and then when, when we went to the doctors about them she was like there's no actual medical issue it's probably just age you know we were both knocking on 40 right. and then the doctor said do you know you can get a free round of IVF on the NHS if you, you could we could do that if you want um, and and then we we genuinely were like oh we didn't know mm. that so we just went into it totally blindly ignorant and optimistic that like oh let's just give it a go see what happens and if it doesn't work we'll go back to the other yeah. way and then we said, and we ended up just doing IVF totally because a doctor mentioned mm. it. So there was none of that. I think some people would probably be a bit reticent to talk about it because if they had a very stressful experience with it and it was one of them ones where they'd tried for years yeah, yeah. to have a baby, it didn't work. And then they did three failed rounds of IVF and all that. And you know, it might have been a five-year chunk of their life. Yeah. yeah. Whereas ours was incredibly pain and stress-free. Yeah. Well, it's like you just talking about it then because I don't know anything about that you could get that, that, that's what's a great thing about a story that is that it's interesting at, at the bottom level it's interesting yeah and then if you can add to that on top mm. that's sort of half the battle isn't yeah. it being something people want to listen to did you find any of it I think so. didn't work or you you couldn't did anyone who had had I, uh, ivf ever com comment a yeah a few people actually I've had, I've had a few people come up after shows and say it's really interesting it's like they'd mention that i'm talking about it and say they really like okay. hearing about it and they've gone through it and then they just tell me their stories it's quite a nice feel like some sort okay, of yeah. like war survivor <laughs> or something. i um because i in one of my shows i i had and literally you know way i my shows are like literally one or two jokes about having crones and afterwards yeah. i get people come up to me who have got crones and go have you really got crones like really kind of <laughs> aggressive at me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't know whether that's because I'm a jokey kind of guy that none of it seems real. So I don't know whether they just thought I'd thought yeah, some wordplay and gone. No, I wouldn't say. I'd say it's just because you're a comedian. They genuinely think we make it or not. Yeah, up. maybe. But because your stuff's, you're more believable in how you tell your story. They, they, they seem, they obviously believed you. They do, but I've still been, I've been asked if that's, if, is that true? Oh, really? Uh, like after Edinburgh shows where I've done like, you know, most of my Edinburgh shows, are, I'd say like out of the, what have I, how many, many I did 12 before the world ended. Yeah. Um, I would say nine of them were an hour of just pissing around and having a laugh and doing some silly stories and fun observations. Yeah. I've done three that were probably personal, right, here's a bit of me. Mm. And and they were like you know they were good to do but they, yeah they can be a bit more tricky you know but I do, I did one the one the uh, was it no it wasn't actually the, I, there was one I got nominated for which was quite personal my marriage has failed right uh, the year after that I think was the bet like the most personal show I did that was all about you know it, it talked about antidepressants and therapy and all sorts mm. of quite deep dark stuff. Uh, and recovery of like going through something as big as a marriage ending and mm. you know drink drugs everything I got quite deep into the weeds of my life and I remember pouring my heart out for an hour and still having to make it funny and people coming up afterwards and going, is that all true <laughs> it's like mate fucking do you think I would um, make all yeah. that up would I put myself through yeah yeah wow <laughs> is that true that was all that shit you're saying <laughs> Nah, nah, I just <laughs> yeah, made it up, you idiot. 
So I do think people that you'd always get people that are yeah, just still cynical. Married, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so much detail there. That they, oh, it's yeah. mad, isn't it? Did you did you find when doing stuff in Australia that like did any of the stuff that you went over with not work because it was Australia? Yeah, I mean. I do think some of the bleaker stuff about the pandemic didn't fly. I had to I had to take the edge off a lot, and I think that's because, uh, especially Melbourne, they're quite sensitive. Melbourne audiences, right. you don't want to hit. You don't want to mention the deaths. Really? You know, okay. I had bit. Yeah, I had bits in that I was doing here, like say last summer. Like I had sort of like just like quite you know funny little observations, but then would mention the. You know, oh, I tell you, here's a good, here's a good example. I, I've got a bit that ended up in the show, and it's about when we, when they, they threatened to deploy the army last summer, oh, yeah, because you know, because because of, of mass gatherings, they were like, you know, everyone was having like illicit barbecues rather than sticking to the rule of six. And there was a press conference, and they said the army have been deployed, <laughs> or they, the, the army were on call to be deployed to deal with any, to deal with a mass gathering problem. And I, the bit I did was I, I sort of said that and I said, like, you know, it's the only time in my life that I've ever felt sympathy for the army because, <laughs> you know, you don't sign up for that, do you? Like you sign up for like to either, you know, you think you're going to protect your country. Uh, and I said, oh, you messed up school. They're the only two reasons you go into the army. And then I just acted out this thing of like, imagine signing up thinking you'd be touring the world and you end up in an Aldershot <laughs> barracks with your sergeant coming in and going, right, guys, orders are in for today. We've got an eight-year-old's birthday party in Penge <laughs> with 14 people. And that routine. But then when I did it here, I had this sort of add-on, which was a I sort of acted out um, a trigger-happy guy bursting into a barbecue. And I said, like, you know, and sh- basically and killing a bunch of people from a family. And I talked about, like, you know, imagine ending up in 25 years of therapy with ptsd because you killed a grandmother at a barbecue <laughs> and all this and it was just like a sort of an add-on that was quite dark yeah. but quite it was the point was trying to put that sort of what you think soldiers mm. do into yeah. using them against social gatherings when i did it on australia like i mean like literally the first time i ever said it i think i said the line imagine just killing a grandmother like yeah and i could just feel people go like all right mate calm down <laughs> <laughs> you know there was just a sense of you you know you didn't need to go there the rest of the joke was good enough yeah, yeah, yeah. Did- so i just had to t- you, you, i feel like whenever i do a bit that's got a little bit of oh that's a bit gross actually a bit horrible mm. and it's not that's not the purpose of it it's just if you're talking about soldiers bursting into a barbecue you can't help sometimes point out where it could end yeah yeah um i just find in australia you've got to just soften the edges for them because they're a little bit you're not out if you go to queensland you could talk about anything mate they ain't gonna care sydney they're feral man <laughs> they're good fun but like melbourne are very cultured mm. festival audiences who will love you and they'll, they'll go with every sort of part of the show and every wave and yeah. theme and all that but you've got to just slightly go easy mm. on them because they're not they're not cut out for anything too dark. Yeah. Did you change the um, names of the towns? Because Penge, they, surely they don't know who what Pen, where Penge is. Did you? Did... I think I just didn't say a town oh, name. Oh, okay. I think I said we've got an eight-year-old's birthday party with like fourteen. Could people, you? Could you have but, given you know... an example of? Would it have worked if you gave gave an example of a Australian town? To make it relatable. Yeah, I reckon it would have. But then I think, you know, again, in my head, I'd be like, well, we're not doing it here, are they? Yeah, so yeah. I just feel like I'd feel sort of inauthentic to myself. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, yeah, I just dropped the, I I, just, I, I realized it didn't need to have a town name mm. as a joke to work. The, the joke the joke was you're, a, you're bursting into a birthday party. And does a barbecue have different, like, meaning for them? Like, did you say barbecue? Yeah, but I, uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, hang on. I said, I, an eight-year-old's birthday oh, okay. party is what I said. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was. Um, but yeah. there's yeah. That, I mean, that's most of the things with like differences between here and there mm. tend to be little things like that. You just have to shave a bit. You know, most of it translates really well both yeah. ways. Like, but what's stopped me is just the I just the the, the fear. The it's the classic boring thing to say, but the like the spiders and all that shit right and but people tell me melbourne it's not that 
bad. You never see a spider in. I've, I've not. I don't think I've ever seen anything other than a house spider in Melbourne in all the years I've been going. Is it called a house spider because that's how big it is. <laughs> so why he's just bought the place next door? <laughs> um, it's no, you don't. Yeah, it's Melbourne. It's a city. You don't see spiders. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I might do that, but I, I, they ain't getting me a go. There's no outback. <laughs> I um, I when I was a couple of years ago in Melbourne, probably like I saw 20, a video of you eight... once or something when you were in a tent in the middle of nowhere and this huge thing on your tent or something, and that. Oh, was that, that the one in the window? It might have in, been. Of I the can't shack. remember. But this is it. Oh, so really? basically, I, 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 just after Melbourne Festival 2018, mm. I went and stayed in a cabin in yeah, the woods. You are a own. lunatic. I can't. <laughs> but it was basically my wife was going to to Queensland. She was going to be gone for like a week. Yeah. And I, I, I just didn't want to. I didn't, and I, I was like, yeah, my options were stay at my in-laws on my own, <laughs> or go and do something. Mm fun exciting on my own and a friend of mine just he knew i had a week off and i said so i might go somewhere on my own exciting and he went like his family like his, his like father-in-law had died and left this cabin in the woods it's about an hour and a half north of melbourne in the it's, bush that's just, just got horror film went, written all over it mate oh mate when i got there like, he just went take the keys man go up to the cabin i was like fucking yes please got there oh, no, there's no phone reception there's no so phone you get like, no, you're done nothing Dead, mate. Oh, Dead in the woods. But no, but I went in there and on, I literally, I walked in, beautiful place, you know, had a little sort of stove fire thing and it was so remote. It took me about two hours to just feel like I'm off the grid now. Yeah. And then um, I went to the toilet. The first time I went to the toilet there, I saw oh, what I thought was a dead huntsman oh. behind the toilet roll holder. And it was dead. I mean, it was dead. This thing was all shriveled up and gross and like, but it was it, when it when it was alive it would have been big right and i was like fuck i'm glad that's dead and anyway i spent four days in this cabin on my own in the woods did you go out or just stayed in the cabin i'd go out for one wanders around yeah. and you know there was a town about sort of 20 minute mm. walk and i'd walk up the hill to the town and get breakfast in the morning and stuff uh, but otherwise i just sat around reading and that and it felt really it was lovely but on the day i was leaving I walked out, locked up, da, 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 and I looked, and inside the window was the fucking biggest huntsman I've ever yes. seen. Like, I'm yeah, talking yeah. like huntsmen's are like big tarantulas, yeah. and it was just inside oh, the window. It was oh, in I with me so the whole ah. time. <laughs> oh my god! It was with you, what? The, it was in there the whole time you were in there. It must have been in there. I was in there the whole time with it. <laughs> Like I would have, I would have killed myself if I'd saw, saw it inside. And I'm not even scared of spiders. I've got no fear of spiders at all. Oh my! But I would have killed myself because they're that big that they are. They're not dangerous. They'll bite you, and you'll get a bit of a. Oh really? They're like, not dangerous. It'll be a bit angry, but they're not poisonous or no. anything. But um, but you know freaky, that thing of just that big? They're, they're so scary looking. Yeah. You know. Oh my god. Um, this bit I did in Australia that didn't. I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I, to be honest, I never really put enough work into it, I think. I think there's something funny in it, but it's about, because we stayed with my in-laws for the whole time we were in Melbourne. And, you know, they've, you know, Australian houses, even quite meagre houses are bigger than here because there's just way more room everywhere. So their house isn't a tiny little thing. You're not living, you're not on top of everyone, but I was still living with my in-laws for the best part of five months. And I tried to do a bit about what it's like to when you live with live with old people, not just like spend a few days at, your, at old people's houses, like parents and stuff, but living with old people, and you just realise they are fucking mental. <laughs> um, like my father-in-law just does not stop talking. Every waking, every time you're in a room with him, he is talking. Like he enters rooms talking. And I tried to do this bit about how I was in the kitchen cooking, and he just walked into the kitchen mid-story. <laughs> And it was, I was literally making food, thinking, who, who the fuck got the first half of that story, mate? Like, what's, how does this work? And I tried to, I basically, I tried to sort of do a thing like he must just walk around the house like a basking shark with his mouth open, just emitting noise, and everyone just catches it whichever room they're in. And I think so. I think there's something yeah, funny yeah. in it, but I, I just, I just threw it out on stage. Yeah, yeah, and couldn't really work out what i was trying to where i'm going with it it can't just be that do you know what i mean it needs to be yeah, it feels like that you could find some logic in there to why he does it 
Yeah. I suppose it is. Yeah, there's got to be a reason. Why do old people just talk incessantly? <laughs> like, it's, and because it, it sounds quite mean, but it's not. It's genuine. It's an observation about because like, they're the nicest people on earth. My in-laws, genuinely, yeah. like, I couldn't ask for better in-laws. But I, they just I find that sometimes yeah. old people don't. They're not. They're not very self-aware. They become less self-aware because I've I've been listening to a story that anyone with a was self-awareness would know I have no interest at all in what's <laughs> happening and they're talking to me and like also, but they don't care either <laughs> they don't care if you're into it this is the thing I, I, I remember actually because like they, they, it's irrelevant if you're listening or caring it's just the fact that you're there they almost just want you know it's almost like they don't care if you're a human they just want a sort of thing to say it at like you so I remember there, there was times when I'd be you know, I'd be changing a nappy. I'd have a crying baby. I've got other things going. I'm literally juggling about five plates. And my father-in-law would just walk in to tell me about something he just listened to on the radio. And like, I, I'm like, it's not that I'm not listening. It's that I physically cannot listen. Yeah. Like, I've not got the capability to listen at this point. So I would just be doing stuff. I'm t- trying to calm my baby down. At no point do I even show any sign that i'm listening to what he's saying <laughs> <laughs> and he's just there at the doorway just going yeah so there he was then they were talking about the sort of current uh, tree situation in the amazon and you know, i was just like what is going <laughs> like who speaks with that little care about if you're the other person's listening or it's not? like a it's like a right it's like a it's basically judy and dean doing his zoom gig isn't it <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps talking he don't care yeah yeah yeah. you, you just muted he doesn't know it's like yeah, there's something about them. They're like the radio. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it's that's just, what, that's just, my first thought was a radio, like yeah. a like a late night radio person that isn't that, that no one is listening <laughs> at three a.m. and they just they just keep talking. That's really funny. Late night radio host. Um, but there was yeah that was, because also that was people tune into the radio halfway through what's being said don't they but no no one starts at the beginning of a radio no it's not like a podcast where you start at the beginning so there is something in that i think (laughs) Um, (laughs) i'm just gonna have a look and see if there was any other what other bits in my show that were quite tricky to work out i need to fill with some Um, podcast expertise again um (laughs) So, so, see, I'm not very good at that. So, I could do with your your father-in-law here yeah. right now, just to start talking, just to feel the the dead air. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, there, yeah. There, um, oh, there was one, there was a bit I, I didn't, couldn't take over to Melbourne in my show, which was about, uh, well, do you know what it was actually? It was about the royal family. Um, 
it was and it sort of was about the Prince Andrew stuff, mm. but it was off the back of a routine about conspiracy theorists and you know that whole sort of that, that uh, everyone's spending too much time at home, so naturally the spike in conspiracy theories is being quite bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I did a thing about how everyone's every every conspiracy theorist seems to be totally obsessed with paedophiles at the minute. Like, but they think they basically think every celebrity is a paedophile who's got who's like transporting kids in tunnels. <laughs> and uh, have you heard no. about that? It's like a, the Q. It's basically part of that QAnon conspiracy. Right. They think there's like this global satanic like pedo cabal that are running everything, and it's it, honestly it's crazy when you read into mm. it, but. I did a thing about sort of the rise of that sort of thinking. And I and the, the point was, I was saying, was why is it they're always obsessed with these fake people that aren't paedophiles? It's like, you know, there's no evidence that they're paedophiles when they're not, they're not, you don't see protests up in arms about someone like Prince Andrew, who's wanted mm. by the FBI for, for uh, questioning about sex with a minor. And I sort of, I did this bit and then I talked about how, um, it was a, it was sort of about how the royal family, how like how they managed to navigate that situation and not get in any way questioned about their validity, and I, and then sort of I brought it back around to the fact that obviously that was going to happen because like basically we 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 let the royal family exist because of tourism. That's all. It, that's the only reason. And uh, and I, and it goes on to and basically then I go through a list of things that tourists spend their money on. That prove that it doesn't. The, the, the royal family aren't important. They'd spend it on any old shit, regardless. Yeah. And then, so, like, there was this whole routine that, like, that was funnier than I've made any of it sound <laughs> there. But one bit was about Madame Tussauds, right. which was about, which was, you know, is still a big tourist site. Mm. And I talk about the fact that Madame Tussauds still exists undermines the fact that you know when people say, well, you know, the royal family bringing a lot of money. I say, yeah, but so does Madame Tussauds. It doesn't mean it's a valid thing in the modern <laughs> age. And I talk about how like people coming over all the way to London to go to Madame Tussauds <laughs> and getting all their photos and taking it home and putting it up on their wall, thinking their friends will believe that they met these people. <laughs> and the punchline is somebody looking at a wall going, oh, mate, I didn't know you were friends with Gandhi. Like that. <laughs> That's great. But sort of that whole routine. That's a one-liner, mate. Yeah, it's quite it's funny, isn't it? But like that whole routine didn't make it to Oz. Even though I think a lot of them would have heard of Madame Tussauds, mm. it was like just it was all too British. Madame Tussauds, the royal family. Yeah, yeah. Like all criticizing the royal family, why would that, it doesn't matter to Australians, even though they're technically still the royal family of Australia. Mm. No one cares. They don't Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, none of no, there's not a single person of a generation below about 70 over there so, that would even give the queen a second thought. So did thought. you know that before you went over or did you give it a little try just to see? Oh, I gave it five oh, or six you? rollouts yeah. in the old <laughs> in the sh I would say yeah, I did a few like previews and work in progress like and I was just like I thought I'm going to try and make this work so I think it's really funny. Yeah. And then naturally after about yeah, after a handful of times, I was like, what am I doing? I'm trying to fit this in, mm. whereas just cut it and just accept it's not made up. It's, you know, it didn't, it shouldn't have got on the plane. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that candy, that candy line's great. So will you do that again over here now as a bit? I, th I don't start, know if I will, you, you know. I wasn't, do you know when you sometimes drop a bit because it's not happening like, and you think, oh, I'll go back to it at some point. And then actually when you look back at it, you're like I was. I don't think I'm as fond of that as mm. I as I thought I was. Yeah, you know, because it is like the point of the whole routine. Ultimately, is we need to bring down the royal family, but uh, that could divide an audience as well. It could. I think most gigs now, though, if you're not doing it, if you're, I'm not, I'm not saying let's you know hang them off Tower Bridge. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just saying they're probably a bit outdated in the modern age, um, and they've got a pedo in it. <laughs> But you know, <laughs> but no. What I'm, I mean, I don't. I just don't know if I don't know. If, I, I think I feel like now looking at at it. And if I was gonna, if you said to me, would you do that this weekend? I'd be like, I don't think I care enough about no. it at a minute to bother talking about it. Do you know what I mean? It's done, isn't it? That whole that's all done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We let them get away with it. It's fine. Let's move on to the next thing. Carl Donnelly! Hashtag Ooga to Carl Donnelly. 
There we go. Any feedback from the episode at Jokes with Mark across all social media. Let us know what you think. Any ideas, pop it in. We'll read them out next week. We'll have a chat about your comments. Um, so, yeah. Oh. If you're enjoying something, you know, like good old friend of the show, Doug was, tweet about it. Tweet us to tell us you've enjoyed it. Tell us people. Know, tell us you're listening to a bit that neither me or Mark can remember. <laughs> but that's that quite nice. I'm looking forward to finding out what that bit was. Yeah, me too. Um, Robin Hood actually said um, I'm not very good at making arrows mm-hmm. um, he then showed me his and I was like good point well made <laughs> there you go that wasn't what we were talking about in that one but I thought no. I'd chuck in a little Robin Hood joke especially for you guys it. thank you very much um, so yep yeah, let us know what you think um, head over to patreon.com for slash jokes with Mark for uh, bonus Carl Donnelly uh, episode mm-hmm. and for another 361 jokes five at a time loads of content over there now go check it all out um and if you're enjoying the podcast why don't you let us know by heading over to apple podcasts and giving us a five-star review the more of those we get the more listeners we get the bigger the podcast gets the better guests we can get so what more can you want oh that's oh, another thing joe i'm 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 about to start recording a new batch of podcasts. Mm. Um, so if any of the listeners have anyone particular they would like uh, us to have on, tweet us at Jokes with Mark, let us know, and I'll see what I can do. Smashing. Smashing. All right, Joel. Uh, anything more from you? Nothing more from me, Mark. Anything more from you, Mark? Nothing more from me, Joel. Hashtag Uber, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.